Well, welcome to our five o'clock teaching series, and um, we are currently through um, the months of July and now into August, looking at the topic of family matters, family matters. You'll see that in the Revival Times first couple of pages as an advert. Also at the 2.30 service, we're looking at marriage matters. And in the 2.30 service, during the month of July, we've been looking at things such as courting and finding the right person and preparing for marriage. And uh, Dr. Kemi Ajayi today spoke on the subject of engagement. And so in the next weeks, they're going to be looking at <clears throat> marriage, the, the roles of husband and wife, and building a stronger marriage and keeping the fire of marriage going long term. And that's all there at the 2.30 Whereas at the 5 o'clock, we're looking a little bit more theologically, um, whereas the 2.30 is more practical help, how to uh, move forward in these things. Uh, we are being a little bit more theological, looking at the Bible's teaching on family, marriage, parenting, and children. And uh, just to sort of give you a backdrop of where we've been going, remember, you can go on our Kensington Temple website and go to the media section, and all the uh, sermons that have gone before in the different series are all there. So if you're here for the first time, you say, oh, I've missed a few, don't worry. You can go on the website and uh, go on to the series, Family Matters, and all the other ones will be there for you to, um, to look at. And while I'm doing that, welcome to all of you that are watching on the web. A lot of people join us from around the world on our web and uh, watch it later on in the week for the teaching series. Tonight, just while I remember, at the 7 o'clock uh, Holy Spirit ministry service, I'm going to be ministering on the subject of the unshakable kingdom and how so much in our lives is being shaken and going to be shaken. You know, if God sees that you put too much um, of a too much faith or too much strength in one aspect of your life, guess what's going to happen? He's going to shake that. And the only thing that won't be shaken is God's kingdom because it's eternal. And I think the longer I go on in ministry in life, the more I think I'm beginning to realize that the only thing that lasts, the only thing that be, can be counted on, the only thing that will, will, will never fade is God and God's kingdom. And uh, the more I think about it, the more I think that the, the less this world has got to offer me and the more that God has. You know, sometimes, I mean, I don't want to be too, I've just come back from holiday, I should be all up, but sometimes I think, do you know what, I'm done with this world. You know, I'm, I'm ready, Lord. I mean, seriously, I'm ready. I mean, if you've got some stuff for me to do, great, but I'm ready to move on. I don't like this world. It's fallen, it's broken, um, you know, and the only reason I'm going to stay is to fix it. But, you know, I, and... I think this is a mentality we need to shift our minds from the things that are shakeable, the things that are, that are here today, gone tomorrow, the things that we can't trust but we put our trust in, the things that fail us, the things that bring us hope and then disappoint us, and start putting our lives, our trust, our lives on things that will never disappoint, never fade away, never rust, but actually will remain forever. That's what I'll be doing tonight. And also, we have, if you were here in the morning, 9-11, we have a guest worship leader with us today, Noel Robinson. He was at the 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service, and he's going to be with us at the 7. And it's exciting because we've just said, said goodbye to David Wellington, and I was away for that big celebration, but I saw most of the pictures on Facebook, absolutely fantastic. Um, but in September, Noel Robinson is coming 
and he is going to join us for a period of time, a little bit like Artie Kendall. You know how Artie Kendall was with us for a period of time and did two Sundays, you know, a, a month well. Noel, uh, for a period of the time, we're going to test and see and see how it goes. He's going to be doing that. So from September, Noel Robinson will be with us two Sundays a month for a, a period of three, four months, whatever we, we, however we feel it. And he'll also be working with the music team and there'll be a synergy there. So he's, he's here just to sort of say hi and he's going to be with us tonight. So we're, we're excited about that. So what we've been looking at um, in this series, Family Matters, is in the first that I brought to you, we looked at family in the Bible. And we looked at the concept of family in the Bible. We talk about family, what does the Bible teach about family? And when we did that, we we looked at the Old Testament and the New Testament, we saw that family is at the heart of God's plans. Do you know that? That's why the devil wants to attack family, family values, and the heart of every family is marriage. And so we see that Genesis, beginnings... Genesis is simply chapter upon chapter of family. It starts with a marriage. That marriage ends in disaster and the whole world falls. And then we have families, we have genealogies, we have Abraham who can't have a child. And God says, you're not only going to have a son, you're going to have families and families and families and all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. We have all these great stories about Jacob and Isaac and, and their children and, and the 12 sons of Jacob. And then you've got Joseph and then those families grow and they become tribes and the tribes become nations. It's just full of families. Then we have the, right through New Testament, families. Jesus was born into a family. Family is important. We spent time defining that, looking at the Bible words for family. We looked at two of the words in the Old Testament and two in the New, and we found that they paralleled one another, and that when we talk about family, we're talking about those that are of the bloodline, but also those that dwell together. Those that dwell together. We looked at that. And then after that, the second se section I did last uh, month was an introduction to marriage. And we looked at marriage according to the Old Testament, really focusing there in Genesis, where marriage was first brought. And, and we looked at that. And we looked at how God created marriage as an institution. We looked at the roles of Adam and Eve, husband and wife. We saw that the fall came through a bad marriage. Because Eve was not being looked after by her husband and she listened to the serpent and, and, and Adam wasn't doing his job and Eve was making decisions without properly speaking to Adam and the roles had got messed up and the fall came. And then we, we went on. on. Then, we, then I had, we had a break and we had Christian Lythe and Amanda and they came really to <clears throat> just speak a little bit about the gender, about what it means to be a man of God and what it means to be a woman of God. Well, what I'm doing now is I'm going to bring this a little bit back now to marriage. We're going to look at marriage today. Then we're going to look at the, a little bit more in detail next weekend, the roles in marriage, the biblical roles of husband and wife. Then we're going to look at parenting, the role of the father, the role of the mother, and the role of the children, so that we go right through the Bible teachings on family. So I'm going to start today looking at marriage 
I've already looked at marriage in Genesis, may refer to that a little bit, but we're going to move on from that. And I want to really pose a fresh question. I answered it when we looked at Genesis about what marriage is. Because in today's world, especially the Western world, one of the greatest confusions in society today, one of the greatest confusions in Britain today, the United States of America, Europe, is what is marriage? What is marriage? And some people have this view about what marriage is, and other people have that view about what marriage is, and you know that you can have whatever view you want, but what does the Bible speak about marriage? We've been building on that. And I just want to give you a little bit of an understanding of what's happening in society before I go back to the scriptures so that you can sort of understand what's going on. Because there's not only confusion in society about what marriage is, but there's also confusion in the church and amongst Christians about what marriage is, who can marry who, uh, what is traditional marriage, what is modern marriage. We know that we've just had laws passed recently. Um, We've had civil partnerships for gays and lesbians, but just recently we now have a new law where we have gay marriage. Well, can I ask you a question? What is the difference between marriage and a civil partnership? Most people don't even know the difference between a civil partnership and marriage. They think it's the same thing. There's confusion. Some people are saying, well, of of course, as long as two people love one another, they should be able to get married. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female, or female and female, or male or male. If they really love one another and have that emotional attachment of commitment, why shouldn't they get married? Well, the question is, what is marriage that we are talking about? And there are basically, I'm going to be very general today, because these are just introductory topics, but I'm going to be very general today, and I just want you to see what's going out there because of the confusion. There are basically today two views of marriage in Britain. There is what we might call the traditional view of marriage, and there is also what I would call the revisionist view of marriage. As I said, marriage is what you define it to be. And so what can often happen is one person's talking about marriage, another person says, well, I disagree, I think marriage... They're talking about two different things altogether. Just because you call something marriage doesn't mean that it's marriage. What is marriage? Well, here here are the views. I'm going to give you the traditional view of marriage. Now, the traditional view of marriage, which would, uh, the Christian view would be amongst this, not just Christians though, but also the traditional view, the view that has been held in Western society for hundreds and hundreds of years and major societies for hundreds if not thousands of years, the traditional view of marriage, this has a vision of marriage as a totality, it's a comprehensive view of marriage. And it deals with the emotional, it deals with the spiritual, and it deals also with the physical aspect of marriage. The idea in traditional marriage is that when male and female come together, there is a love that flows in that marriage, and it's not just the two of the people emotionally attached, But traditional marriage says that beyond them, the love will flow and it will be a place where there will be a sharing, there will be family life, there will be children and lifelong fidelity. 
And so this comprehensive traditional view is a union of two persons. We looked, and one of the major things that we were looking at in, um, in Genesis, when we looked at marriage according to the Old Testament, especially marriage according to Genesis, was Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, which speaks about a man, uh, a man and wife, they will leave their parents, a man and a wife will come together, they will hold fast to one another, and they will become one flesh. The two shall become one. Now, in traditional marriage, what does it mean when it speaks about the two becoming one? Well, marriage, in the traditional view and the biblical view, is a uniting of male and female, and the two will become one. What will they become one in? Well, firstly, they will become one in mind and in body, physically, sexually. So marriage is the coming together and the uniting of a male and a female in mind and body, physically, sexually. Secondly, in traditional marriage, not just a coming together in mind and body, but also in respect to eventually producing and having a family life. You see, marriage in the traditional view and the biblical view is not just linked to two people coming together. It's two people coming together, male and female, and there is an overflow of the marriage that should normally come in a family life. Children are the logical fruit of traditional marriage. And in the Old Testament, we find that, that when couples who are married can't have children, it's a, it's a very big deal, isn't it? To Abraham and, and Sarah, it was a big deal. And, and Isaac and Rebekah couldn't have children. It was a big deal. Um, uh, we, are, we are in no way um, saying how difficult it is. It, it's sad when couples are married and they want to have children and, and they try all different kinds of treatment. And, and we, we, you know, we pray for people. And we believe God for people. And some, peop some married couples never have children, can't have children. And, uh, and in no way does that mean that they're less married. Do you hear what I'm saying? But normally and generally as a definition, marriage is not just about male and female coming together in mind and body, but it's also about the logical, natural progression of a marriage is that children will come out of that. Also, in uh, marriage, marriage is meant is permanent and exclusive. So in the traditional view of marriage, marriage is for life. Until death do you part. Until death do us part. Now, when we look at these things, this is very different to modern views of marriage. You see, in this view of traditional marriage, marriage is more than just a friendship. It really is a unification of two people in all the basic dimensions of number one, mind and will, number two, bodily union, and number three, the sharing of lives and resources for the natural upbringing of children. This is the traditional definition of marriage. And so this is why in traditional marriage, we talk about being about consummating your marriage, don't you? The physical coming together of man and woman in the traditional view of marriage is an essential part of marriage. 
You see, marriage isn't a male and a female or whoever, just, just being very close emotionally, a very close friendship. Friendship of itself is not marriage. In fact, don't we counsel men and women to be careful about getting too friendly before marriage? Why? Because often, when a male and a female get very, very friendly, that leads on to other things, doesn't it? Naturally, when a man and a woman get very, very friendly, when, when they feel that bond of close friendship, the danger is, if that does not then come into marriage, the danger is that will lead to sexual intimacy, won't it? Have you ever thought about that? People who, who, who are, uh, are involved in fornication or adultery, usually what happens, isn't there, that usually there's a sort of close meeting of the minds, they say, you know, don't get too friendly to the opposite sex at work. Why? Because that friendship, if it gets exclusive and deep, will often almost naturally lead on to sexual intimacy. Now, that's wrong according to the view of biblical marriage, but it's understandable, you see. Because the whole idea of marriage is not just it's two people that are very close, but that closeness, that union of mind that is there, um, Will, will consummate itself or bring, it to, bring itself into a bodily un, union. That's why in traditional marriage and, and situations, and even in the law today, they speak, don't they, about the consummation of marriage. And you can still have your marriage annulled. And you say, well, what do you mean annulled? Do you mean you got married in church and now you don't want to be married? Well, that's divorce, isn't it? Well, traditionally it's not, is it? If the marriage hasn't been consummated, you can have the marriage annulled. And what does that mean? It means that in the traditional view, you were not yet fully married. So traditional marriage is not just an emotional attachment or an emotional commitment to one another. It's a meeting of minds and wills, but it's also a meeting of bodies. The two shall become one. And traditional marriage says that, therefore, marriage is reserved for one male and one female. And this isn't just the view of the Bible or Christians. Uh, this is the view of many people. And they say, well, look, you see, the female body and the male body are sexually two biological parts that can't function sexually to reproduce until those two parts come together. It's amazing how God has made male and female, biologically, male and female. And the male is made perfectly biologically, and the female is made perfectly biologically, but without one another, reproduction can't take place. And in the traditional view of marriage, Reproduction is, as I've said, the natural offspring of what marriage is. Marriage, normally and naturally speaking, should end up in the, in the uh, coming together of, of male and female. Let's talk about what happens when a male and a female consummate their marriage. What happens when they have sex together? What would be the normal, logical conclusion of that sex, it would be a child, wouldn't it? 
Now, I, I know we can talk about, well, what about contraception and all these things? I'm not really talking about that. I'm just talking about the way that nature, God, has made us. That if a man marries a wife in this traditional view, and they are two halves, two sexual halves, if they come together, yes, the pleasures of marriage. People look forward to getting married because they're, they're, they're waiting in traditional view. I can't wait till I get married. And one of the things I'm looking forward to most is my honeymoon evening. Hey, that's fine. Why? Because God has made um, sexual uh, coming together of husband and wife pleasurable. But let me say this. The, the ultimate aim is not just pleasure. Pleasure is there, but when two people come together, children are formed, normally and naturally. So sex, and this is, this is what, what's wrong with uh, much thinking today. Sex is seen today in society as something that's recreational. Fancy a game of tennis? You fancy going to bed? And, and because of contraception, and I believe there is a place for contraception, by the way, but because of contraception, people have got this idea, well, hey, we don't even have to think about children. We don't have to think about offspring. Sexual uh, coming together is enjoyable. It, it, it's excellent. It's fun. So, hey, let, let's just enjoy sex without the kids. But that's not the way that we are designed biologically. Biologically, normally and generally speaking, the purpose of coming together in, in, in sexual union between husband and wife, as pleasurable as it may be, the logical fruit of that is what? Children. Children. So marriage, traditional view of marriage, so I'm just giving you the view, is not just about two people coming together, it's about two people coming together with mind, it's two people coming together, pooling their resources, building a future together, but also it's two people coming together that are sexually compatible in order that they may produce children. The, the, the sexual completion of, of husband and wife, the consummation of marriage, should lead normally and naturally to reproduction. And so when we speak about traditional marriage, we can see very straight away that there is a context to this. It is a biological coming together of two sexual beings, male and female, that come together. It is based in a uh, wider context of family, okay? So that's a general view of the traditional view of marriage. That's one view of marriage. But there is also a revised view of marriage. And this is where people are getting confused in the big debate over traditional marriage and revised view of marriage, a, a modern view of marriage that is not traditional or biblical at all. Now, this modern view of marriage is a vision of marriage as, in essence, a loving emotional bond. And it's one that's distinguished between the intensity between the people. It's a, a commitment that doesn't necessarily need to look beyond itself. In other words, in this view of marriage, this is an emotional bond, an, an emotional coming together of people, and it's about their desire for one another, their union for one another. It's a romantic partnership, and it may or may not lead to children.
You see, there's many males who are married to females that, that, that are married today and, and they may go down and get married in a church or they may get married and, and, and you say, oh, that's traditional marriage. Not really. Not really. Because some of them are thinking, well, to be honest with you, um, we, get, we don't even want children. We're not even thinking about family. Uh, we're getting married because we have an emotional commitment to one another. We're in love with one another and we want to seal the love that we have for one another in what we call marriage. It's a romantic, emotional coming together that we, we want to, a union of two people in a romantic partnership and domestic life. So normally, when people get married, in this view of marriage, whether it's male or female, or female or female, or male or male, the idea is we are emotionally attached, romantically attached. We want to unite together, and we also want to live domestically. You know, you don't get married and not live with someone, do you? And so in this view, the idea is there will be a pooling of resources, there will be a living together, there will be uh, an, a, a certain exclusive emotional union, and it will be enhanced, usually this union will be enhanced by whatever sexual activity is mutually agreed. So in this view of marriage, it's possible for two people, same sex or, or a different sex, to come together and say, I'm going to make a commitment to you romantically, and you're going to make a commitment to me, and, you know, sexually, what shall we agree on? And so in a homosexual relationship, it'll of course be, well, we'll have a homosexual relationship with one another and we'll enjoy that as part of our... And that could be, that could be mutually exclusive. So you could have same-sex marriage in this view where people say we'll keep to ourselves or you could have more of an open marriage. Anybody heard open marriage? I mean, on Facebook, you can put, you know, you're in a relationship or in an open relationship. Well, open marriage can be for males, male and female, or female and female, and that can be, well, you know what, we're getting married, but, but you know, our sexual enjoyment, well, we can choose. We can have other partners, we can have an open marriage, we can, we can really do what we want. So in open marriage, it's not illegal in marriage today, it, it, uh, in, in this modern marriage, it's not illegal for you to have multiple partners. If the two people that are married together. So this view of marriage today, this alternative view, is essentially an emotional union enhanced by whatever sexual activity is agreed by the two partners. It's a romantic union. And the thing about this is the value of this romantic union uh, only lasts as long as the emotion lasts. And, and, and this means that whoever sees marriage as this view. And like I said, it doesn't matter if it's a male and a female in this revised marriage, or a male and a male, or a female or a female. In this view, as long as I'm in love with you, we're married. But hey, when the emotional commitment's gone, then I don't want to be married anymore. And this is the problem with this revised view. You see, people no longer see themselves as being mutually exclusively married for life. Or if they say it at the altar, well, things change when emotions change. And why should they be married forever if they're not thinking about marriage being specifically linked to family life and children? If marriage is purely just 
my commitment to another partner and their commitment to me, and if we have children or don't have children, well, that's by the by, then if a time comes when we're no longer emotionally attracted or committed to one another, well, surely we can dissolve the marriage. And that's happening all the time. So in this revised view of marriage, you're getting men marrying women and men, men, women, women. And when the time comes and they say it's over, they split. And I think of some people very close to me who have just recently had a divorce. And uh, it's a male and a female married and they've had three lovely children. But in the end, they just said, you know what? We just can't stand each other anymore. What started in love, we just, we just, you know, I don't love her, she doesn't love me, we've tried to make it work, and so we're divorcing. But who, who, are, who are the ones that suffer most out of that? The children, absolutely. Because in this mindset, it was like, well, I don't love my wife anymore. Well, I don't love my husband anymore. Well, what about the kids? Well, it's not really about the kids. Well, of course it's about the kids, but not really. It's about our emotional relationship. So can you see how that... And they were Christians, by the way. They're Christians. So that view of marriage is this modern view. It's the emotional romantic attachment between two people. And if the emotional romantic attachment somehow wobbles or goes through a difficult time or seems to break, then the marriage should be dissolved because we don't... Surely you're not saying I should stay with my wife when I've fallen out of love, love with her. But there's no wider view like traditional marriage. Well, what about the kids? You know, there was a time when mum and dad would make it work. They'd make it work for the kids. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and they'd say, hey. And sometimes in marriage, it might be that, the, that for, at times, that commitment until death do, do us part. Sometimes it might be just that commitment that gets you through those three months. Sometimes it's just the commitment. No, I've married you. No, we're together. We're going to have children, normal way. Or we're married, traditional marriage. We will make it work whatever needs to happen. And sometimes that's the very saving of marriage. And so this is very different because this modern view of marriage is based on companionship and companionship alone. It doesn't mean... That in this modern view, you can't have children, and doesn't mean that you can't raise children. You can adopt children. But it's very, very different when at the center of this revised view of marriage is an emotional union rather than one that is ordered for family life. And also, what's happening now is this view of marriage, which is just simply an emotional union, I'm being over generally, of course, just to make a point, this union that may or may, not, may or may not have children, may be between a man or a woman, or a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, based on this emotional union that can go as long as this emotional union things. The, the, the thing about um, this emotional union is that why should it be limited to two people? The next thing on the agenda in Europe, in fact, it's already on the agenda. Before you could blink, when the modern view of marriage came into law, the next thing people were saying, well, what about polygamy? Why can't I have two or three wives that I am emotionally attached to? And, the, and almost in the newspaper, the day after this law went through, a redefining of traditional marriage, because it's certainly not traditional marriage, it's a redefining of traditional marriage. Uh, the law recognized marriage, but it's not the traditional view of marriage. They have changed it. 
And so almost immediately in the next paper, there's a group of people, and they're saying, well, I can equally love two people. Why shouldn't I have two wives? Or why shouldn't, ladies, you have two husbands? After all, if you have three children, can't you equally emotionally love your three children? Do you just have to have one child to love a child? Can you emotionally love three children? Of course you can emotionally love three children, can't you? You hear me? Well, then why can't I emotionally love three women? Why can't I have three wives? Or why, or why can't there be two, two husbands and a wife? Or whatever you want. And why, why not? Why not? What's to stop it? Well, in this new revised view of marriage, there's nothing to stop it. And, and people, even the government, will say, oh, we're not sure about that. But that's, that's just their own traditionalism, according to this view. Because according to this view, it's all about emotional and romantic attachment. And if you can love one person, who's to say you can't love two people? Who are you to say that these three people aren't in love? Who are you to say that? Who are you to say they're not in love? And so when we talk about marriage, you, you will notice then with these two views how very different they are. And that's why confusion reigns, because sometimes Christians will think about the modern revised view of marriage, and they'll just say this, well, well, why can't a man who's in love with a man get married? Is it possible for a man to be in love with a man? Of course it is. Is it possible for a woman to be in love with a woman? Of course it is. So why can't they get married if they're in love? And the Christian sort of thinks, well, yeah, I mean, maybe I don't agree with it, but... Why shouldn't they get Because the view of marriage that you're thinking about is a totally different view than traditional marriage. And that's why a few years ago, when we had what we call um, civil partnership, that's different. Civil partnership is very different, do you know that, to marriage? Well, it's not anymore, but it, it was. Civil partnership is the recognition by government of two people, whatever sex, that want to come together and have legal rights and protections over properties that they want to share, they want to be recognized. Civil partnership is not marriage. You see what I'm saying? Civil partnership is a, a government way of recognizing people of whatever sexuality that want to come together. And at the time when they were debating civil uh, partnership, they were saying, look, civil partnership for people of the same sex is not marriage. We're not looking at changing marriage. We just want there to be equality among all those that want to be together. Well, as soon as civil partnership came in, the next thing is we want to be married. But like I said, if you talk to people and ask people, especially those that are very strong, it's, you know, when the big debate, oh, can um, same-sex people be married? Yes, of course they should be. You bunch of bigoted church people that's saying that they can't and all this sort of stuff. If you turned around and said to them, well, could you tell me the difference between civil partnership and marriage, most of them couldn't tell you the difference. Because, you see, marriage is rooted in tradition. And marriage is linked, as I've said, not just the meeting of minds, but also the place for the natural procreation of children and also traditional marriage, or marriage as it was traditionally understood until a few months ago, marriage was all about the coming together of two sexually compatible male and female together in mutual union for family reasons. 
So these two things are really important because they're two views and you may believe one view or you may believe the other view and hey, do you know what? That's up to you what you believe. All I'm doing today is giving you the two different views because there's so much confusion out there. So the traditional marriage, which is actually the biblical view of marriage. You say, well, I don't agree with the biblical view of marriage. I think it's outdated. Fine, that's your opinion. Well, I think the, 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 the biblical view is wrong and the, the new marriage view is right. Well, that's your opinion. That's your opinion. But there's many people, and this isn't just a Christian issue, by the way. There's many, many people that actually are grasping for a traditional view. They believe that's the one that they believe defines marriage. It's all about your definitions. So, family in the Bible, now moving back to the Bible, family in the Bible is, or marriage in the Bible, is ultimately all about family. We looked, didn't we, a few weeks ago, you can go back to it, that the words to do with family were to do with blood, to do with genetics, to do with your blood family, your blood relationships. And even today in this modern world, aren't blood relations very important? You may love them or loathe them, but you know, your, your blood brother is your blood brother, your mother is your mother, I mean, you, whatever it is. And even if you don't know your mother, I mean, I was adopted, even if you don't know your, your mother and the father, you know that you came from them. Why? It's biological, it's biological truth. There's blood there, that's family. But also the household. The Bible doesn't speak, use the word family so much as household. The household of. And that can not just mean the unit of mum, dad, and kids, but it can also mean grandparents and aunts and uncles. Those that dwell together in a place of mutual support, this is what family is all about. And when we look at Jesus, one of the things that Jesus came to do was to restore the true concept of biblical marriage. Remember, this whole series is just looking at what the Bible's opinion of marriage is. Whether you agree with the Bible's opinion or not is up to you, but it does have an opinion. And when Jesus came, he came to restore true marriage. Marriage that was established in Genesis before the fall. In Matthew chapter 19, we finally got to a scripture in a Bible study. Matthew chapter 19 and uh, verse 3. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Can you see how... What I've just been talking about is the biblical view, the traditional view, not just held by Christians, but is, is Jesus' view here that, man, that God, when they, when, they, when they speak to him about divorce and marriage, the first thing he says, God made them male and female, the biological aspect of marriage. Have you not read that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Can you see again some of the things I've been speaking about? The two have become what? One. One in mind, one in emotion. No, there's also this element of sexual togetherness, consummation. The two have become 
one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. This also emphasizes something that we've said, that marriage, traditional view of marriage, is God's idea. That according to the biblical teaching, marriage is not a human idea that can be changed to this or that or the other, but according to the Bible's view, it's God's idea, what God has joined together. So it's not just a man and a woman coming together or not coming together, being together, divorcing. No, God is involved in the marriage process. It's amazing how much God honors the traditional view of marriage in the Bible. Because God even likens his relationship to his people, the children of Israel, as a marriage. I mean, have you ever read the book of Hosea? What an incredible thing where God says to Hosea, I want you to model something for me. I want you to model something according to marriage. And what I'm asking you to do, Hosea, I'm asking you to take an unfaithful wife. And I'm asking you to remain faithful to that unfaithful wife. And she'll be unfaithful to you. And and that that is a picture of my relationship with Israel. That I am like the husband joined to Israel, and that Israel is my unfaithful wife, but I refuse to let her go. I'm ready to forgive her and to, and to, and to, to bring her back. The picture of marriage is there. In the New Testament, Jesus also, this traditional biblical view of marriage, he also emphasizes, I mean, Jesus is the what? Bridegroom. And so we have these pictures in the New Testament of the bridegroom. He says, hey, my disciples aren't fasting. You don't fast when the bridegroom's with you. Also, and we'll look at this next week a little bit more, when we look at the different roles of the traditional view of marriage. And, and, and we find in Ephesians, don't we? Ephesians 5, 21. It says, husbands love your wives. How? Like Christ loved his church. And The church is seen as the bride of Christ. Do you know when history ends and Jesus returns, there's going to be a great party and a great celebration. And do you know what that celebration is going to be? It's going to be the marriage banquet of the Lamb. So in other words, God is saying, do you know what? When all this is done and dusted and Jesus returns, we're going to have a party, but it's going to be a wedding banquet. And you, the church, are going to be the beautiful bride. And Jesus is the bridegroom. Isn't that amazing? Can can you see how important marriage is to the God of the Bible? And Jesus here emphasizing different aspects. In fact, in verse 7, and we'll come to close in a minute, it says, they said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but it was not so in the beginning. So even divorce divorce is not God's idea. Do you know that? Divorce is not God's idea. We look briefly that when we see the, um, uh, the patriarchs having more than one wife, God never ever commands the patriarchs to have more than one wife. God didn't say to Abraham, go and get a Hagar. God never confirms or gets behind polygamy. He allows it. 
but it's not his desire. And Jesus is talking about this. Divorce, we say, well, divorce was in the law. Yes, because people were so hard, so hardened of heart, that God had to give a situation or deal with that situation as it was. But it was not so from the beginning. And hopefully we'll touch on the issue of, of divorce because, you know, divorce is not the end. If a mistake has been made, divorce is not the end. It's, you know, some people talk about divorce as if it's the unforgivable sin. It's not. And so, of course, God doesn't want anybody to be divorced. But if you find yourself in a position where you're divorced, it's not over for you. There are new beginnings. There are new beginnings. We're going to look at these things together. So today, all I really wanted to do, because we looked at Genesis, is just show you the different views of marriage, or, or the basic two views of marriage that are going around today. Because people will either believe one or the other. And also, I think it's important to establish what the debate is about because so many people, including politicians, don't even know what they're talking about. They have this type of feeling that they believe in traditional marriage, but they've got no basis for it. They just say, well, I believe in traditional marriage. Why? Because that's the way it's always been. Is that it? And then somebody else, well, I believe in the revised view of marriage. Why? I don't know. If somebody loves somebody, they should... And they haven't even thought through what marriage is. Hopefully, this will allow you, when you hear people speak on the radio and politicians, or when you talk to somebody, and we end up talking about marriage issues, you'll be able to say, well, what do you actually believe that marriage is? How do you define marriage? Because this is how I define marriage. This will allow us... Next week, when we go and look a little bit more about the the Bible teaching on the roles of husband and wife. Husband and wife are not just there sexually compatible, but they are also emotionally and psychologically and intellectually compatible. It's not just that a man has, has a physical body and a woman has a physical body and on the inside there's no difference. No, you're male and female, If you're male, you're male physically, you're male emotionally, you're you're male even spiritually. If you're female, you're not just a female body, you're you're female uh, on the inside. This is what the Bible teaches us today. I think the fly is saying, enough's enough. So uh, we'll leave it at there and we'll come back to this next week. God bless you.